0: Hello and welcome to Rollins Around Town. I'm Sam Stark, host of the show, and I serve as the Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. My role allows me to engage in the Central Florida community on many levels, and it is my responsibility to help connect the dots between the college and the community at large. The dots I refer to are opportunities for college stakeholders, faculty, staff, and students to have access to leaders and professionals in our region. This helps Rollins deliver on our mission, while also uplifting the brand of the college throughout Central Florida. Rollins Around Town highlights the connections between Rollins and the Central Florida community, introduces the college to important community leaders, and shares the impact Rollins has throughout town. The goal of the show is to share the role, the important role Rollins plays in town, and how important the college is to our region. So thank you for joining us this morning. And it is my pleasure to introduce Zaire McCoy, Associate Vice President for Enrollment Management and Dean of Admissions here at Rollins College. Zaire, welcome to Rollins Around Town and thank you very much for joining us.
1: Good morning. Thank you for having me this morning.
0: So for starters, tell us tell us who you are, where you're from and, and where you grew up. And um, you know, we're not really doing the deep dive right directly into your bio, but we kinda want to hear it from you. So Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Absolutely. So I am a product of the military. I was born and raised a good bit of my childhood in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And my dad was in the Coast Guard where he met my beautiful mother. And the rest is history, 40 (laughs) some odd years later. But um, I moved around as you do traditionally in a military lifestyle. And that was probably the best way for me to realize how resilient Um, I can be and have been but so lived in Puerto Rico a good bit of my life and when I was 15 we moved to North Carolina where I ended up attending high school and graduating and attended a local college in that area before realizing that a life in admission is what I wanted to pursue and so I um had been in North Carolina for forever until I moved to Central Florida recently in 2017 and now I have the privilege of calling Central Florida my home.
0: So tell us a little bit about enrollment management. I mean I think we all know what it is, but but sort of, you know, give us a, the your, your definition and description of what enrollment management does in higher education.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think for a long time the the term enrollment management was not a thing used widely across the board and there are over 4,000 colleges and universities kind of in this system, so to speak. And enrollment management really speaks to cradle to grave. So from the point in which a student can be pursued as a potential college student to the point in which they graduate, become alumni, become donors, supporters of the institution. So this is really the entire scope of the experience. And gosh, over the last almost 20 years, in enrollment, things have certainly changed, but definitely (coughs) providing an opportunity for students to realize their potential. And to be able to share a brand and an experience in Rollins that is possible for a lot of students.
0: And so when what was your moment You know, when you kind of realized, this is what I want to do?
1: So I started my time in admission as a student worker. So I was a student caller. And I got to share when admission counselors from that institution were coming to visit high schools. When we got to call students to congratulate them on being admitted. And I thought, man... All this good stuff happening as a student, like this, this could be something. But it wasn't until my senior year when I took advantage of an internship opportunity where I got to travel with the, with the admission team, do a short mm-hmm. student presentation, and got to feel like this travel life was glamorous. <laughs> um, little did I know what that actually meant, but you know, spending someone else's money is always glamorous. Right. And so I spent a, a few weeks that senior year in this internship experience, and I thought, This could be something I'd like to pursue for a short period of time. And so the opportunity presented itself. There was an opening at the end of my senior year that I applied for, and I actually didn't get. And so I I had to go back to the drawing board, like, what in the world am I going to do? And actually, maybe a couple weeks later, I got a call from the then vice president saying that they had created a new role that they had envisioned for me specifically in the office. And so I started off as an admission counselor for minority recruitment at the time, and Um, More than anything, it was about being able to share my story, but to also be able to encourage students that if you weren't thinking about college, you can certainly think about it and know that there's opportunity. So my senior year in college was that
0: aha moment. And college, your undergrad was at Elon University? (laughs) Correct.
1: So my undergraduate experience professionally um, as a student and then professionally was at Elon
0: what was your undergraduate experience like? I mean, did you take advantage of everything? Did you just sort of sit in your room and study all day? I mean, how, who who was Zaire McCoy as an undergraduate?
1: So. I have to take you back to my senior year in high school when I took one of those infamous campus visits. I went for an open house. And I am one of those individuals who gets geeked out by um, uniformity. And what I mean by that is while waiting to go on my campus tour, I was enamored by these students who had these maroon jackets. So maroon and gold are Elon's colors. And and I was like, oh, my gosh, who are these students? They're so, like, put together, giving us these tours, you know, like, whatever. (laughs) And I remember telling my mom, this is it. Like this is where I'm coming, and she was like, "What? I don't even know anything about this place." Whatever. So, um, so when I started off my time at Elon, I was, I, I was, I am a first generation college student, and I knew that the price tag of college was really a hardship for my family, and so pursuing a job early on was going to be very important. So, any extracurricular things that I wanted to do that cost outside of the cost of the institution were on me. And so my first year, I had like three jobs. I think I maintained three jobs at any point in time in college, but that was because it provided the structure that I needed, right. but also afforded me the opportunity to engage in different ways. So I worked at the Spanish center that Elon has, and so I was able to sharpen my Spanish skills. I pursued a Spanish minor at some point in time. I worked at the bookstore. Um, definitely was nice to get some discounted <laughs> books um, and paraphernalia. Right. That was awesome. And then I worked – uh, like as an on-campus work-study in the new student orientation program. And so at any point in time, I worked three jobs. I got involved in a sorority at some point in time. I did service. I studied abroad for a semester in Spain. I majored. I had one major and one minor, and it. I tried to yeah. right take advantage of everything that the college had to offer. But of course, as you know, there are a laundry list of things that I wish I would have done that I didn't get a chance to do. But that is the one thing that I think about this story and talking about college to students is there's so much to choose from. There's yeah. so much to take advantage of. And you have to be thinking about that from day one. And you, you may not be able to accomplish it all, but certainly
0: yeah. some exciting things and to it's a, you're another It's another example, at least to some degree. And I don't want to speak totally for you, but you got, you got a lot <laughs> out of your college experience outside of the classroom. Absolutely. As much as you did inside the classroom, yeah. I'm sure. So you're, you're a mom of a high school student I am and I'm the dad of one and so before we deep dive into Rollins admissions what what advice would you give to parents in general you know about the college search and selection process
1: well one it is absolutely a marathon and not a sprint <laughs> uh, my high school student is a junior so college and what options what is her what are her plans are always the topic of conversation. As a parent of a high school student who is in enrollment management and in higher education, I could not be the least informed person or educated person in this industry for her. So my 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 area of work doesn't matter, right? I'm just mom who happens to work in higher education, whatever that's worth for whatever that's worth. But my advice to to students and families in particular is to to take one day at a time, to enjoy every phase, right? Students, when we get it when they get into high school they're always worried about the next chapter and i think that they miss a lot of opportunities to just be a kid and i know yeah. that there's a lot of pressure to think about family expectations family lineages maybe you're the first to go off so you don't know what that means but i think just kind of enjoying the moment so if you have a you know a freshman sophomore junior or senior uh, for us it's about having intentional conversations about college and we don't talk about college all the time now People who do, who she doesn't get to see often—that's the first question they always ask. Where are you right. going? You know, are you going to Rollins? Your mom works at Rollins, and she's <laughs> like, I don't know what I want to do. Um, but we talked a lot about a gap year program, so that's a thing that we've invested in. But more importantly, there is a plan after high school, yeah. and that's that's the the mainstay in our conversation. Is it college? I don't know, and if it is, where? Who knows? But yeah. wanting to to have those lines of communication open and to be purposeful about that right yeah. so that everybody understands what's happening.
0: We had um, Eric Marshall on the show. Eric's an alum and the, the, the current board chair of the alumni, uh, the alumni board and he has two daughters as you probably know. Who, one who went here and one who um, who goes here and sort of talked about that local thing and so I wrestle with it you know in my head with my wife and with my son. Number one, do I even want him to go to school in his backyard? Mm. And that's a that's a hard question, and I talked to our boss about that, our president and um you know it's an interesting discussion, and there's super interesting perspectives on on both sides so we shall we shall see so you came to Rollins in twenty seventeen yep. and you came from Elon, which is an outstanding institution and uh, and obviously your alma mater what was so compelling like that you know that that brought that that Rollins was offering that uh, that brought you here
1: so one of the one of the terms that we use in terms of our enrollment cycle and language is early decision. So it's a application deadline program where students indicate that school being a top choice if they have that program. And Rollins does offer two early decision deadlines. Having been in enrollment for fifteen years at my alma mater, a place that I adore, a place that I consider a place where I grew up, that raised me, I couldn't just leave that place for just any old place. Mm-hmm. And Rollins has been a part of my professional career since day one. In fact, I attended what we would consider like an admission boot camp for first-year admission counselors here at Rollins back in 2002. Mm. And I stayed in Ward because that's how the program rolled and we ate in the campus center. And so anyway, I had this very impactful first-time professional experience here at Rollins and I knew that at some point in time having been born and raised in puerto rico i needed to be somewhere warm mm-hmm. so selfishly i was like if i'm going anywhere there have to be some highlights right some some real non-negotiables and so warm weather year round wearing sandals right it's march and i definitely have sandals on now and it's like 60 degrees anyway <laughs> um and so that was selfishly something that i was looking at but the other piece was that it had to be an institution worth being able to talk about mm-hmm. one different than my own especially if i wasn't a graduate and so when I saw the opening for Rollins, I really spent a lot of time and, and with U- US News and World Reports, Elon and Rollins have always been up there in the South, number right. one and two. And there's just always it's it's always been there professionally yeah. for me. And when the opportunity became available, I thought, how do I not apply? And having been in enrollment for fifteen years, I remember sharing in an interview that I've I have a toolkit, I have a skill set, I have been working towards building a house but I don't have it built yet. And so I'm ready to bring all these assets to then create Mm. this this livable space. And so Rollins provided this opportunity to one, be on a smaller scale. Elon's a little bit larger than Rollins is. And the talk about community is more than just a talk, it's a thing. And the people and the students matter and being able to establish relationships is critical to our mission. Being virtual this year certainly has been a challenge. Uh, missing mm-hmm. people in person and so Rollins really was this kind of final puzzle piece to my professional career if I think about it in that regard and so it doesn't hurt that we sit on Lake Virginia doesn't <laughs> hurt that the average temperature is 73 doesn't hurt that there are a lot of beautiful amenities here but more importantly the community the campus I I couldn't have gone anywhere else just to be doing enrollment right. it had to be intentional and our mission our our experiences that students take advantage of are are worth talking about. On, on the level or close to one of an
0: alum. Right. That sort of leads me to the next question, which is, what, what is Rollins selling? In other words, what, what are you and your colleagues in the admissions department and the enrollment management uh, office telling prospective students and families we do have to offer? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So one of the things before we were able to brand our experiences gateway, we talked about students seeing an opportunity for some in their backyard and for other states away that wasn't just about coming to a college and choosing a major and, and doing a couple of things here and there but really weaving together a series of of experiences that were always intentional always supported by mentors always supported through experiential learning And it wasn't just, oh, well, maybe I can study abroad, or maybe I can do an immersion, or maybe I could take a leadership role, or maybe I'm a student athlete. But every opportunity that students have been able to engage in and do and are able to engage in have purpose and meaning. And a couple of years ago when we were able to articulate that through our gateway, it just brings everything to life. And we wanna make sure that if you're choosing any of the things that I mentioned, that you're that you you play a role in what this course looks like. You play a role in choosing a major. Maybe it's a double major, maybe it's a double major and a minor. Maybe it's that you're an active student athlete who also gets to be a leader on campus and other capacities. But it's not just you come here as a first year student and then graduate someday. Every step that you take, the guided relationships and mentorship really matter. And it's not just a college experience. It's not just a college degree. But it's about a foundational step in in what's next and when we and when we talk about our mission you know um, educating global citizens and responsible leaders for meaningful lives and productive careers that's not i can't say that there's anywhere in the world that i've heard that people talk about a mission so tangibly and Mm -hmm. so actively that that's true and if you don't walk away having an idea of what's next, then we've misled you. And I don't think for students, maybe it's not the career path that you want right away, but the skill set that you gain from this experience is certainly something you, you should be able to say, I got a job because of these three things that I've done at Rollins. Right.
0: I I, I do think it's, I do think it's real. I mean, my, my perspective goes back to being a student here in 1987 to 91 and the mentors and the relationships, like it's real and it's lasting. Maybe it happens everywhere but maybe not, and, and to your point, like I know it's very tangible that, that alumni and, and friends of mine, we can all point back to times and moments and experiences and people at Rollins that kind of set us on our pathway, and it's, it's pretty good. Um, so let's shift a little bit. Talk, talk about the makeup of the Rollins student body, uh, or maybe the most recent class. You know, Rollins continues to wrestle with some real um, perceptions and some old perceptions. Uh, as it relates to the demographics of our students and our student body and our campus. So can, can you share a little bit from your perspective who who are Rollins students?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say who Rollins was at the beginning of my enrollment management career to who <laughs> Rollins is now is probably to the outside. It doesn't look different. And what I mean by that is how a student might appear in terms of just a physicality. So dress, appearances. Um, for the podcast listeners, like we are a pretty put together group of people, and and some of that is intentional, some of that is by nature of the environment that you're in, but but it definitely goes beyond that. I would say that Rollins has afforded right when we think about the mission and and how the institution was established, right? New England congressional is coming down to create an experience for students in the state of Florida, like they had in in New England, is is not is not normal. It's not what was mm-hmm. happening. Back in the 1800s, and so that philosophy is still very much true. And and if you go to right schools in New England, you should see very similar things that that are happening here at Rollins. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is that we want to we want to make sure, particularly locally, and I know we talked about this briefly as it related to our children, and, and do we want to see mm-hmm. them take advantage of something in their backyard? But folks in our community know Rollins exists, but they don't realize that it could be for them. Right. for a number of different reasons. And so I think that the landscape of our student body primarily is coming from Florida, which we know that the dynamics in the landscape of Florida are very diverse, and so we see that on a regular basis. But we also see students from across the country and the world finding this place that with 2,000 students is is a a network and an environment that is intended to help you um, find that next step. And the this, this student body as a whole, for me, I would say from day one has been intentional, has been caring, has been compassionate. There's civil discourse here, which means, right, that everybody does not have to agree, mm-hmm. but we know that we respect each other enough to have a difficult conversation and still remain in our, in our truths and values and Keep on pushing because yeah. that's what we have to do. I remember right before I came in the twenty sixteen election and and I was curious. And I've asked anybody that I've spoken to, Grant included our president, about what was the what was the vibe on campus after the election? And and um and I remember there being a lot of sadness, right, in terms of the outcome for some students. But I was like, but what about the students who were happy with the results of the election? How were they supported? Mm-hmm. And and not for anything, but higher education, right? forces us to be a little bit more open right? To, to be beyond, to think beyond whatever our personal preferences are. And without that civil discourse, we don't get very far. Yep. And again, it doesn't have to be easy, but it's always <laughs> worth it. And <laughs> And I think that our culture allows for these difficult conversations to continue. There's not an easy solution for a lot of things, but we take the time to listen. And, and that matters in the development of our students and the culture of our campus. Yeah.
0: What, what does success or mission accomplished look like in, in your space and, and when it comes to the ideal, is that, is that even right, a student body uh, or student makeup for Rollins? You
1: know, it, it's uh, numbers drive a lot of things. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the first goal in, in terms of being able to identify success is meeting that goal uh, for, for incoming students, first-year students, transfer students. That's first, But we always want to prioritize our Floridians right? This is our home. This is where we see a bulk of our students coming. More than half of our student body is from Florida. And so we like to see the diversification of that geographic distribution. Um, we love to see students coming from all over the U.S. And Sam, I know you're from New Mexico. And so a couple of years, we had this like big surge of uh, four <laughs> students enrolling from New Mexico. And, and right. you know, right? That I think sometimes we laugh about the numbers because if they translate to something small, but we know that they're significant. And so when we see, you know, Ohio and Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, Texas, California, our our Georgia, North Carolina are some really strong states showing up in our incoming class this year so far, and really pleased to see where the brand has reached. Yeah, and um, it's not just this small regional school in Florida for students, but it's really a place that others and internationally as well. There there has been significant growth there too. Um, I think the more diverse we can be, geographically is important. Uh, diverse ethne- ethnically is important, but it that comes with a with a price tag too. <laughs> um, so, being able to afford students some scholarship availability, and this year with COVID, we were able to adjust some of the ways in which we awarded scholarships. So, students who haven't submitted test scores have always been eligible for scholarships, but that was broadened to all opportunities um, scholarship related, which was really important to us this year. Like our first Alphonse scholarship recipient, who was a non-test taker, was awarded this Mm. year. And so extending opportunities to students beyond what we thought was normal or traditional was, has been nice to see in this particular year.
0: Share the number. I think people are always surprised when I, you know, share it, but what's the percentage of students who receive some sort of financial aid at Rollins?
1: Yeah. So 85% of the students who attend Rollins receive some form of support, financial support, most of which are scholarships. So most of our students are receiving anywhere between ten dollars and, and $32,000. Um, in addition to that, need-based financial aid. Florida students, I think, always, as a private school, our Floridians um, don't always realize the benefit of the um, grants that are afforded to them as Florida residents, but also Bright Futures. Um, Florida prepay is something that Florida students can bring to Rollins. <clears throat> Not at the same exact level as a public school, but certainly some benefits that are brought over for them. And And those things matter. Dollars, yep. dollars start to add up and make sense and make decisions different for families. And yep. so, um, so yeah, 85%.
0: And then it translates on the back end, which is why Rollins percentage-wise for our students have uh, considerably less debt at the end of their four years than students nationally. Absolutely. Is that correct? Absolutely, yeah. Um, Talk about test scores and testing. You know, it's sort of a new trend. Even I think before COVID was test score waived. uh, And now with COVID, like where's testing, standardized testing going to go for admissions?
1: Yeah, there is this, uh, there's a website, fairtest.org, that lists, has a comprehensive list of all colleges and universities that have some sort of test optional plan. So it could be test blind, test optional, test, um, and Pre-COVID, there were probably a 1,000 schools on that list, and in COVID, there are now 1,400 mm. schools on that list. Rollins has been a test-optional institution since 2008. So for us, that philosophy has been a part of our, the way in which we operate and make decisions for students. I think it's only right that for the schools that weren't test-optional for them to have considered that for at least this year and maybe for some the first three years, the next three years, that they'll consider that. When students have no real way or had no real way of taking a test, that seemed like the right thing to do. Higher education is a big business, right? Mm-hmm. And so college board, ACT, as as former members of some of those boards, it's big business. And I know the purpose. I know the data. It's, a, it's, it's intended to do a lot of good things, but it also creates a lot of anxiety, creates barriers, separates students from opportunities. But it's been nice that some students don't have to consider that, but that doesn't take away how difficult it still could be to gain admission right. and I think sometimes when you remove a checklist item that it's like okay well I should definitely apply because I don't need a test well if it was competitive to get in before with a test it probably is still competitive without a test right to be offered admission but um but it's nice that that those kinds of factors don't have to define a student yeah um, and there are a lot of places that students don't have to Consider, right? The schools that don't offer a ton of admission, you can guarantee it's going to be hard for you to get admitted regardless yeah. of how amazing you are on paper. But test scores and COVID this year certainly were a hot topic, but I think like anything in our work in higher education, we've been resilient and tried to respond to the needs of the students as best as possible while still trying to maintain the integrity of our
0: institutional goals. So, uh, you know, one of my questions was how has COVID affected your work and, you know, what, what if anything, will be different and, or maybe even the same, you know, g- going forward. And so maybe test scores is one of them and testing is one of them. But
1: yeah.
0: h- how's COVID been on your day to day work and the work of your colleagues? And, and will it change, you know, kind of once we get back to whatever quote normal means?
1: Yeah. So we're sitting at a year, there's a calendar on my desk that was marked March 23rd. So yesterday was a year from the day mm-hmm. in which I worked remote when it went to working remote um, in COVID and. We remember in the early part of March when we were scrambling to transition a lot of our in-person events that were getting ready to take place to virtual activity. And as you can imagine, right, technology is amazing until you, it doesn't, it fails you and then you're like, you hate technology. (laughs) Um, But thank goodness for podcasts. Anyway, so. Truth. So we, uh, for us, particularly in this time of year, which we consider yield season, COVID turned our worlds upside down. But one of the best things that happened as a result of that is that the virtual suite of of programming that we were able to offer to students opened up so many doors. I mean we were reaching students traditionally in our yield season we host what we call experience Rollins events for admitted students. Typically had about 45 students and their families come to one of seven events across the spring and last spring we saw gosh 150 students on average, on these virtual events with their families, many students from places that we wouldn't have seen in person. So mm-hmm. on the West Coast. So kids were, you know, we talked and uh, joked a little bit earlier about um, Sam's family in New Mexico tuning in from <laughs> from at this early hour for them. But students in California were getting up at 6 a.m. for a 9 a.m. event wow. because they were that excited about Rollins or international students who wouldn't have had the chance to visit in person should we have held this in person. So we were really COVID again, while very disruptive, was very beneficial in allowing us to reach more students that we had before. So when I think about life in COVID and whatever normalcy is, it's hard to say that the virtual recruitment piece is is, is here to stay in wow. what form and how often we'll see. But I think gone are the days of only meeting people in person. We know how valuable that is, but if we want to make sure that students have access and options, the virtual capacity, virtual recruitment will be
0: here in some way, shape yeah, or form. That's fantastic. How how does it work? <laughs> in other words, I mean, I know you can't fully explain sort of how the sausage is made, but colleges in general get a lot of applications. They have a very limited amount of um, of uh, open seats, open slots. How does it work? Or at least how does Rollins do it?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the goal of any office of admission is to admit a student. That's the goal, right? We're not office of rejections. We're not office, you know, like in essence, some schools by default become that because of the total number of applications right and so this year and again it's been so fantastic to be at a place like Rollins because anytime I think okay this is what we did last year this is how we'll prep for this year Every year since my first year has been different, and so that could be maddening and exciting at the same time. <laughs> and COVID has has um, added to that excitement. And so last year we had been averaging about six thousand applications, which was great. It was the highest volume of applications that we had received traditionally, about forty five to five thousand, forty five hundred to five thousand. This year hmm. we are about to crest eighty three hundred applications. Amazing. And. You know, right in in the midst of a global pandemic, when you're just so unsure about a lot of things, you're like, wow, we're really like doing well. You know, like this is this is real. And but naturally what that means for us in a time like this, in a year like this, is that students who might have normally seen an offer of admission come through have not. And that selectivity that happens over time is not because right. Rollins feels like we've ascended to a place as much as. There's just a, a science to it, you know, based on the total number of applications. If we want to admit 50% of our students, then we're talking about 4,000 students of the 8,300 that have been offered admission. And we expect to get about 530 students in our first year class. And so that math doesn't feel like it makes sense. But right. in order to be able to get to the goal, that's where we have to be Um there's a lot of disappointment that Rollins has sent out this year and disappointment within our staff with those decisions has been particularly the Rollins alum yep. to see that students who would be excellent candidates didn't get a chance to be offered admission. Um, but those but those are the breaks um, sometimes. And we've been super fortunate to have been able to offer admission to the students who qualify, who mm-hmm. want to be here. Um, but in evaluating students across the board, we just had to make some really tough decisions. But I'll tell you that Floridians... When out, they're always a priority for us. Students in our backyard are always a priority. Um, it's nice to see the, diversi- the diversity of students across the country who are applying. And yeah. we're always just curious, how did you get, you know, how did you hear about the brand and, and marketing? We have an amazing uh, group of individuals who are demonstrating and, and, and sharing the Rollins story, but it's still like, are you sure this this college in Winter Park, Florida? And they're like, yeah, yeah. We're like, okay, <laughs> this is great. That's awesome. That's amazing.
0: Um, the selectivity rate is is so amazing. I've spoken to you, maybe you and certainly Faye, your uh, colleague and uh, our vice president in, in your department, about trying to grow our applications just to sort of, quote, help the selectivity rate. But she said, to your point, we're not an office of rejections. Like there's no joy in, in having more kids apply just to intentionally say, no, you can't come here. And I always found that to be super compassionate and uh kind and frankly aligned with the Rollins mission so that that was a an interesting learning aha moment for me yeah. but it's happening now just because happening. of uh i think good marketing and and a great institution and great Absolutely. leadership so interesting challenges so talk a little bit about some of your work outside of the college i think you're involved with sorority and um and, and perhaps other things what do you would it's keeping you busy if you even have time for life outside yeah. of Rollins and home? You
1: know, it's funny. I, I, um, have been saying to a lot of friends recently that we make time for the things that matter. Right. And I think even in COVID we've had, that looks a little bit different, um, more virtually than in person, but, uh, I have, have been an active member of the sorority, um, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. And there's a chapter here in Orlando that I've been invited to participate in, but, I'm the type of person that once I commit, I commit. And so I have to be very careful about the time that I lend. And somehow I manage more than 24 hours in a day, which, you know, is impossible. <laughs> so I have to be careful about that. Um, but I had been an active member in the Elon alumni chapter that's here in Orlando nice. and had been able to take a, take part and meet other alumni who I had yet to meet in the area, which had been really nice. Um, I am professionally involved in a couple of different organizations and potentially on the slate to um, be selected in a presidential cycle for the for the Southern Association for College Admission Counseling. So we'll see how that goes awesome. next month. Um, but keeping busy has been kind of a thing since college. It just keeps me balanced. My kids keep me busy. I pre-COVID and recruitment would always have me on the road a little bit more often than not and so I try to be an active member in their PTA for both of their schools just so that right that's where you get that's how you know why the sausage is made when you're in the PTA right. <laughs> um, but it's really been a, a source of joy to meet other family members and, and really s- creating a, a support more than anything particularly in COVID when it really does take a village to get through right. all the things that we're experiencing so those have just been a few things I have been super fortunate here at Rollins we have a what we would consider like an employee resource group in the Black women's circle. So that's been a a, a neat group of women to get to know over the last four years and navigating um, just life, yeah, life and life at Rollins
0: that's and that kind fantastic. of thing. So as you've navigated Central Florida, what what share your perspective on on why Rollins is such an important part of the Central Florida community? Oh my gosh,
1: absolutely. So you know when I think about. Um, you know, when we talk about Rollins, you can't complete that statement without talking about Central Florida. And there's such a misconception until you get here to understand that um, Winter Park, Orlando, where Disney is located, like that Central Florida is is huge. And I, I think sometimes people are just misled with it's this one thing, and the fact that we're minutes from downtown and have access to the arts and athletics and culture it's I don't it's um, I mean I haven't been to a lot of places even being raised military but it is there's it is so rich here and almost at the point in which it's like is there enough time to do it all and and you feel bad because you're like well I want to you know I want to go check out Orlando City Soccer but I also want to check out what's happening at the Dr. Phillips Performing Arts Center you're like well can I get to both I can hear both I think (laughs) depending on where I'm at exactly right and and so there's a a lot of opportunity but it's it it's one and the same. You can't be at a place like Rollins and not appreciate the opportunities that are ju- that are just a stone's throw away. And I think sometimes again we talk about this conversation about our kids going to school in our backyard like you can be here and feel like you're in a completely different world. Right. And and live 5 minutes down the road and I and I think that that is remarkable um, to be at a place like Rollins given our size and given scope of opportunity and um yeah, so Central Florida, it, it is a gem. I know that I have, was reading something that we're poised to be Orlando as large as Atlanta in 10 years. And I can't even imagine. <laughs> I, I right. can if I look at I-4 construction,
0: but I can't I can imagine. <laughs> right. um, I can't imagine. So a couple last questions to close us out here. Um, if you were president of Rollins for a day, that's all you get is one day, <laughs> What what is President McCoy... Doing, uh, in your twenty-four hour reign.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I don't think it's right if we're not having a meal. Um, so even in COVID, you got to be safe. So we're we're having a meal somewhere down Park Avenue. Maybe a breakfast meal down Park Avenue to start. Um, honestly, I would I would find some time in this twenty-four hours to spend some time with students to find out what the need is and I imagine that uh, whatever the time frame is not obviously it's not going to be enough to find out what the need is but to really get a feel for what's happening right um on campus what are what are the things that need to be addressed and and what priority would they fall on I think the other piece is connecting with the faculty and staff that are beyond just the scope of our work right as Mm -hmm. I mentioned on the onset that this community is so much more than just a college campus that this really is a network this is a family this is a The people you meet are the link to the next step, and building those relationships is critical. And I think sometimes our work gets so busy that we don't get enough time to build those relationships. And so I would want to know how how do we carve out that time? How do we make time to to be more purposeful and intentional in our time together? I think the other thing um, is creating more intentional or continuing to establish. Uh, more intentional partnerships with our other colleges within this area, particularly mm. right Valencia and Seminole and UCF. And again, that's when you know Central Florida is huge for colleges to be within a half hour closer. and there's a lot of there's a lot of students here. There's a lot of people here. Yeah. and sometimes when we're here on this beautiful campus, you're like, we're in the Rollins bubble and it's good. And then you step out and you're like, yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on um, here. But I think just investing time and in, in building those bridges and and networks within the area um, and making sure that more people know about Rollins, not because it has to be the place that they go to as much as knowing that it's an option for yeah.
0: them to to consider. Love that. All right. And finally, what's your do you have a do you have a favorite spot on campus? I mean, I know you're probably not one that, that takes <laughs> enough time to just step yeah. away and chill because you're yeah. you're busy but yeah have you found a place on campus you just love to kind of go and hang
1: um by the lake anywhere by the lake honestly the gazebo that's to the right of the little beach classroom is a spot uh last week i was in the office and so i got to work super duper early and so i kind of just rolled up to the mm-hmm. dinky dock and mm-hmm. watched the sunrise i was here that early and And I was like, "This isn't normal. You know, people <laughs> don't just get to roll up on a lake and watch the sunrise in the morning and um, beautiful is an understatement to be in a place that offers so much, and then you're just like your breath is taken away at all the all the opportunities. If I could wake up in Lakeside every day, I'm sure that that would be <laughs> pretty right. awesome. Um, but yeah,
0: anywhere by Love the lake. That.
1: Yeah, anywhere really.
0: Is there anything I, we didn't get to, or any other stat or fact, or something that's that's worth sharing with, uh, with with Rollins around town in terms of admissions or anything else?
1: What I would say to our our local families and and those listening is take advantage take advantage of Rollins in in the best way. And what I mean by that is we have been open for visits right since June. We do have virtual offerings as well, but this is the most economic, economical um, college visit option that a lot of families have. If you want to experience a four-year school that's a smaller scale, um, different uh, than than a UCF or Valencia or Seminole. And just let us be a a test pilot for this experience, right? Visit the campus, take the tour, learn the things that you think you like, that you heard, and identify things that are important to you in this process. And it's maybe gonna cost you two hours and hopefully a good lunch on Park Avenue um, or in the Campus Center. And so come check it out. Um, Love that. Let that let that process start right here in your backyard.
0: Love that. Well, Zaire McCoy, Associate Vice President for Enrollment Management and Dean of Admissions at Rollins College. I remember first uh, learning about you coming to Rollins and thinking, you know, a, a, kind of an admissions big shot from Elon was coming here. And I thought, that's really cool. And as an alum, that made me feel even better. And then having our first cup of coffee at Starbucks on Park Avenue, uh, just how impressed that uh, I was and um, uh, with with your talents and perspectives, and just couldn't be more excited that you're here and uh, working for, uh, for this awesome institution. So Thanks for all you do for Rollins and for Winter Park and for the enrollment uh, management profession. Thank you. Special thanks to Sammy for working our board uh, again today and for helping to update our social media on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Keep an eye on both of those and you'll be able to find out who our next guest is and are in the coming weeks and months. And of course, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, uh, Rollins Around Town on Apple, Google, and Spotify. So with that, uh, we wish you all a great day and thanks for tuning in.